Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with no remedy for the flesh, as we pick up in Exodus chapter 17, verse 16. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. God ordered Saul through Samuel to go down and to utterly slay the Amaleks. Remember that? Utterly slay them. Don't even leave an animal alive. Slay all the men, women, and children, and every animal. Wipe them out completely. And as I say, people have great difficulty in understanding this particular command of God. But when we realize that Amalek represents the flesh, what God is saying is that you can't make any truths with your flesh. God has no remedy for your flesh. God's only answer for your flesh is crucifixion. Put it to death. You, by the Spirit, mortify the deeds of your flesh. God didn't want him to make any truce. God didn't want him to leave anything of the flesh. Utterly destroy it. Wipe it out completely. That was the command of God unto Saul. Now Saul failed to obey God, and God was angry with Saul, And God said, because you have rejected God from ruling over you, you've refused to obey God. Thus, God has rejected you from being king over Israel. And it was as a result of this that Saul was dethroned, rejected by God. His failure of complete obedience in totally wiping out the flesh, Amalek. Now, later on in the Jewish history, we come across another man who was of the tribe or of the people of Amalek. Because Saul failed to wipe them out completely, Amalek came close to wiping out the children of God. It was the time when Esther was queen. And her uncle, Mordecai, refused to bow to this wicked Haman. And so Haman was so angered by this man's refusal to bow to him that he went to the king to sign a decree that on a particular day, every Jew in all the kingdom should be destroyed. You remember the story of Haman? Haman was an Amalek. He was of Amalek. Because Saul failed to totally destroy the flesh, the flesh came back and almost destroyed the people of God. For the king signed the decree, and the day was appointed when all of the people from Israel were to be slain in all of the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. So Amalek, Whenever you read of it in the scripture, it's always a type of the flesh, the flesh life. As I say, God doesn't have any reformation programs, which we're always trying to reform our flesh. 
God has no reformation programs. He has only one edict for the flesh. That's crucify it. I am crucified with Christ. That's God's only solution for your flesh. You try to pamper it. You try to nurture it. You try to keep alive the best part of it. You say, oh, well, you know, I just keep the best part of my flesh for God. Like Saul, you know, Lord, I saved the best for you. I want to make a sacrifice. To obey is better than to sacrifice and hearken. It is better than the fat of ram. So make no covenant with him. God said there's going to be warfare with Amalek from generation to generation. Now when Jethro the priest of Midian, Moses and father-in-law, but the same Hebrew word could be translated brother-in-law, for we remember earlier he was called Ruel. The father-in-law of Moses was called Ruel. And so it could be that this is Jethro, another name for Ruel, or it could be that Jethro is actually Moses' wife's brother. But he was a priest of Midian. And as I say, the word father-in-law could also be translated brother-in-law from the Hebrew. He heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back. Now you remember when Moses was coming out with his wife Zipporah, when God first called Moses to go deliver the children of Israel, and and Moses was heading down towards Egypt, and and the Lord met Moses and, and almost killed him. So Zipporah knew what was going on. She quickly circumcised their boy, and uh, she actually accused Moses of being a bloody man and so forth. Evidently, at that point, they, they, it, was, it wasn't a pleasant scene. I mean, it was, it was quite a tiff between them. And evidently, Moses just sent her back to her dad. You go back to your dad. I'm heading on down to do my work in Egypt. And, and so Zipporah, his wife, didn't accompany him, nor his two sons, Gershom and Eliezer. But uh, now, as he has come back into the area of Midian, Jethro comes out and brings his wife and his two sons, Zipporah, Moses' wife, and the two sons, which the name of one was Gershom and the other was Eliezer, Gershon meaning a stranger, and Eliezer is the God is my help. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where they encamped at the Mount of God. And he said unto Moses, I, thy father-in-law Jethro, am come unto thee, and thy wife and her two sons with her. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, And he bowed to him and kissed him, and they asked each other how everything was going, and they came into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all of the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that Jehovah is greater than all gods, 
For in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. That is, where the Egyptians were so proud, God was greater than they were and their gods. And Jethro, uh, and God is greater. Remember, God said that he, he was bringing the attacks against the gods of Egypt. So Jehovah is greater than all the gods, that is, the gods of Egypt. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came and the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses, father-in-law, before God. And it came to pass on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning till the evening. So now Jethro built an altar, and he offered a sacrifice, a burnt offering to God. Now he was a priest, but he wasn't of the children of Israel. And so other people knew God and worshipped God who were not the children of Israel in those days, Jethro being one of them. And he was a priest of God. Now the next day the people came into Moses with their problems, and from morning to evening they brought their cases to Moses for him to determine and for him to decide. And that guy borrowed my shovel and he didn't bring it back, you know, or he broke the handle. And so Moses would have to say, okay, you get him a new handle or fix the handle. Or, you know, and all day long, Moses was, was uh, interfacing for these people, giving judgment to them and so forth. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, what is this that you do to the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand by thee from morning till evening. And Moses said unto his father, imagine there were 600,000 adults males, and, and so they're a big crowd. Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a matter, they come to me, and I judge between one and another. And I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, that's not good. You're going you're gonna to wear yourself out, Moses, both you and the people that are with you, for this thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice, I will give thee counsel, and God will be with you. Be thou for the people to Godward, that you may bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place over them such to be the rulers over the thousands, over the hundreds, and over the tens. So he is saying, hey, Moses, hey, you're going to kill yourself, man, you know, trying to keep up that heavy schedule. You can't do it. And so it isn't right that you just wear yourself out doing this. So you need to get other men to help you with this. Now you teach the people the ordinances and statutes of God. But pick out men over the thousands and over the hundreds and over the tens and let them bring their cases to these men. Let them do the judgment. You teach them what the judgments and statutes of God are and let them handle these matters. And then in the areas where they can't handle them, Moses more or less became the supreme court so that every case wasn't brought to Moses, but just those that could not be handled by those men under him. Quite often, 
when you have a person of, of Moses' caliber and strong leadership that he becomes overburdened with things that actually don't always pertain to just the leadership. It's possible for you to find yourself uh, so engaged in little non-essential things that you really don't have time to do the essentials. Now, life has to be made up of priorities. We must determine what is most important. And then we've got to do the most important things. It's easy to find yourself majoring in the minors and spending so much time in minor issues of, of no count that you really don't have the energy and the strength for the major things. I believe that Satan likes to wear people out on piddling little things. Sometimes I get involved in a project and, and I enjoy doing mechanical things. I enjoy working on mechanical things. But I have found there is a, I think they call it Murphy's Law, if anything can go wrong, it will. And sometimes, you know, you're, you're just tightening a bolt and you think, well, I'll give it just a little bit more. You know, I want to make it good and snug. And you snap the thing. You know you can waste all kinds of time trying to get a stud out that you've snapped off in a block. And you find yourself working for an hour and a half just because you wanted to give it an extra little tug and cinch it down. And I think of all that wasted time just for the sake of a cinch down. Oh, help, you know. And, and, and you find yourself sometimes involved in things, and thus you've got to lay out your time, your priorities, and what is really and truly important, and, and, and lay out your, your priorities so that you're not spending all of your time in, 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 this, in issues where someone else could just as easily handle them. Now, this came up in the early church. Uh, they began to lay upon the apostles all of the decision-making processes. And the church had a welfare program, and they were distributing to the widows in the church. And those widows that had a Grecian cultural background felt that the widows who had a Jewish cultural background were getting a better deal. They were getting favoritism when they were doling out the church's welfare program. So they came to the apostles and said, that's not fair. We, of the Grecians, aren't getting the same deal as the Hebrews. And they wanted the apostles to, to move in and to do something. They said, hey, let's appoint men who are full of the Holy Ghost, of good report and wisdom and so forth, that they might take care of the waiting on of tables because it isn't right for us to leave the word of God in prayer to wait on tables. But I think of how many ministers have been forced to leave the word of God in prayer in order to wait on tables. Demands are being made upon the ministers that really a minister shouldn't have to fulfill. As a young minister in a small church, you'd be amazed the things that people ask you to do. Can you come over and pick me up and take me to the store? You become a taxi cab. 
and, and you, you find yourself a handyman. And you find yourself doing all kinds of things that really don't pertain to the true ministry of the Word of God and prayer. In fact, I oftentimes found myself so involved in doing these other things that I didn't have time for the Word of God and prayer, and thus the people suffered. Now with a church this large, you can imagine the demands that are made upon our time. How many times people call and say, well, they'll only speak to Chuck. They don't want to speak to anybody else. They've been watching him on TV, you know, and if he'll come and talk to them, I know they'll get saved. Well, here's a guy that, you know, that's dying and he needs to have the Lord. And, and you know, you get hundreds of these calls. And, and if we tried to go around and to minister to everyone who called for us, we would never have time for the Word of God in prayer. We don't have enough time for it now. So you've got to establish priorities. You've got to do just what is truly the most important thing that God has called you to do. Now God has called men to various ministries within the body. And God has anointed some men for the ministries of counseling and has anointed others for the ministry of helps and has anointed others for the ministry of governments. And it's a blessed church that has the various ministries functioning within the church so that all of the demands aren't placed upon one person to do everything. And, and this uh, Moses follows said, hey man, you're going to kill yourself. Not even taking time out to rest. All day long these people are standing here. You don't have time to really wait upon God. And so he offered a solution to Moses. Now, the interesting thing to me is, is the qualifications that they required of the men. First of all, men that fear God, men of truth, and men who hate covetousness. Hey, if you can get men like that, you can allow them to do almost anything. Men who, first of all, have a real fear of God or a reverence of God. You know, there are some people, I'm sure, from their actions, they don't even reverence God. They don't even consider God at all. If you really look at their lives, it's just one big hype, and you have to realize, hey, these people, what they lack is a real fear of God, to realize that someday they're going to have to stand before God and give an account for these things. Well, I'll tell you, that, that is something that really weighs upon me. The Bible says, be not many masters, knowing you're going to receive the greater condemnation. So being a teacher of the Word of God puts you in a very precarious position because someday you're going to have to answer to God for your teaching. That's why I do my best to just stick to the Word of God, and when the Word of God speaks on an issue, I'll speak on it. When the Word of God is silent, I try to be silent. I don't want to say more than what the Word of God actually says because the teachers are going to be in greater condemnation. But there are some who have no fear of God because they're saying all kinds of wild, weird things that are even contrary to the Word of God, and so you just know they really don't fear God. They not, don't have the fear of judgment in their hearts. Secondly, they were men of truth. 
And thirdly, hating covetousness. Men who had really no ambitions for themselves, hating covetousness. And these were the men who were chosen. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter that they shall bring to you, but every small matter they shall judge, so it is easier for you, and they shall bear the burden with you. And if you shall do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all of these people shall also go to their place in peace. So uh, God commands you to do it. And so Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did as he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers over the thousands, rulers over the hundreds, fifties, and over the tens. And they judged the people at all seasons, the hard causes they brought to Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. And so evidently Moses' wife and children stayed with him. At this point, his father returned home. Father-in-law. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 17-18 through when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless you and prosper you. May you be established in the hope that is ours through Jesus Christ as we look for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior who shall establish God's kingdom and bring us all into that glorious age of ruling and reigning with Him. Glorious age of the King. May God sustain you, give you strength and power in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. For those who like to read books electronically on their mobile devices, you can now download most of Pastor Chuck and Kay Smith's books to your Kindle reader or any mobile device such as your cell phone. 
What a blessing to be able to have these resources with you at all times, especially when you're in a place to minister to another person. If you read ebooks, then you know the advantage of being able to search, find, and minister within seconds. And with all of Pastor Chuck and Kay's insights into biblical wisdom, this is a great opportunity to be able to gain from their book so you can share the good news with others. If you would like more information on how to download Pastor Chuck and Kay's ebooks, you can call the Word for Today customer service department at 1-800-272-9673. That's 1-800-272-9673. Or to download most of Pastor Chuck and Kay's ebooks online, visit thewordfortoday.org. Again, that's thewordfortoday.org.